Good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are doing amazing. Uh, I hope uh, things are going well for you. And um, we continue to pray for so many of you on our prayer wall uh, here in our auditorium. Um, and if there's things that we can pray about for you, please uh, let us know. Let me know. Uh, we are talking about engaging Jesus. And, and uh, there's so many awesome engagements and so many we really didn't get to. But, but today will be our final uh, sermon in this series on engaging Jesus and next week we're going to move on to something a, a little bit different um, but um, Jesus engaged as we've been talking about uh, lots of different people in lots of different settings rich poor uh, you know just all kinds of people from every cross walk of life and um, sick and diseased and those that nobody was supposed to touch he touched and and people came up and touched him and, and, and religious leaders came and asked him questions. And, and Jesus had so many cool engagements. And uh, we've talked about a number of those and, and there's more, but, but, but today we're going to talk about one more. Our, our big takeaways, are really, I hope in this whole series have been our, us to think about our engagement with Jesus. Like, how is that going for us? Like, since the day we gave our life to Christ is our engagement with him, our connection to him growing stronger, more faithful? Because there's going to come a time when we're going to be tested like never before. And I think if you look around what's going on in our world right now, in other parts of the country and right here in our own country, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get more difficult. And if you don't have a strong faith, a strong connection to Christ, it's going to be very easy to be dragged away, pulled away, or to just throw in the towel and give up. And so my encouragement is that we are personally digging deep, growing deep, and connected to Christ. And then secondly, that Jesus is able to reach the world through us, like through us. These two, for a Christian, these two things have got to be happening it's not enough for you to have your engagement. That's great, nice, wonderful. But if God's not using you then to reach the world, we're, we're not doing the full gospel. We're not living out the full life of a Christian, which is to go into all the world and make disciples and help other people come to know the good news of Christ. And so that's the goal of this entire series. And today... You know, among all the engagements that Jesus had today, Jesus is going to engage the unrepentant cities. And um, it's, it's not, it's not going to be a pretty sight today. It's going to be a little more hard-hitting today. Uh, it's going to be a little more in our face today. It's going to be a little more challenging today. Might seem a little gloomy and doomy today. And as much as I want to present this in a positive light, we need to kind of open our eyes and realize that everything is not okay in the world. As much as we want to tell ourselves everything's wonderful, there's going to come a day when it's going to be over and, and people are going to be separated like sheep and goats. And, and we, have to, we have to talk about this so that we are aware and we are ready and we can warn other people about what is to come. 
according to things that Jesus said and what the scriptures tell us. And so today, um, we are back in Galilee. Um, we're back in Galilee up here. It's the second year. We're back in the second year of Jesus' ministry. Remember, he was in Perea. He was in Judea. And he was around the Sea of Galilee. In fact, Jesus did many, many things around the Sea of Galilee. Right here is Capernaum. And in Capernaum, Jesus kind of set up his home base for his ministry. When he began his ministry, he kind of operated out of this town called Capernaum. And so every, all these little cities and towns around Galilee, Jesus spent a lot of time in. They, they came to know Jesus. He was like in that community. He traveled the whole area. But, but Galilee was a special place for Jesus and his disciples and the work that he was doing. And what we find is Jesus traveling all around Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, to the towns. And in those places, Jesus is performing miracles. He's, he's doing healings. He's teaching amazing things from the kingdom of God, truths from heaven that are not of this world. And what's happening is our lots of human beings around the Sea of Galilee and all these towns, they are seeing the miracles of God. And it is undeniable that this Jesus is not from here. He is from heaven. And he has power to tell the sea to be calm, to, to raise the dead, to cast out demons. He is doing all kinds of a variety of miracles on the elements, on sickness, on death, on everything known to man. Jesus is showing authority over all those things, especially in and around Galilee. Now, we all love, we all love that gentle, respectful, all-accepting, mushy Jesus. We all love that Jesus that accepts us and loves us, and he does. And we sing songs about how in love we are with Jesus, don't we? In fact, some churches and some songs are, are, are way beyond the bounds of appropriate. We almost, in our culture, in the church today, we almost make Jesus out to be our boyfriend or our girlfriend. Like we are so romantically in love with him. And we cross a line when we do that. And we need to be careful about some of those songs. In fact, when you hear a song that sounds like you could replace Jesus with your girlfriend... You, the song has gone too far. Turn it off. Because there needs to be a healthy respect for the love of God and the person of Christ and what is to come. And Jesus is going to get to that today. We all love this mushy Jesus. But today what we're going to see in Jesus is kind of another side. A side that we need to be aware of and need, we need to be ready for. And we need to be like warning people about because this is what is to come this engagement that we're going to read about in um, uh, Matthew yeah Matthew is, is is going to come to us in the scriptures uh, from a burdened heart of Jesus he, he's got a heart that is hurting for for the people he, he's got in his mind he's 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 thinking about how lost we are like sheep without a shepherd. 
And Jesus is going to say what he says today out of a great compassion for us and as a warning as to what is to come. It's going to come out of a heavy heart for mankind. And mankind's, the entire human race's inability to get it. To understand that there is a God who made us and then to line ourselves up under that supernatural, all authoritative God who created us in his image and loves us, who we have rebelled against and who sent his son to die for us to save us from the coming judgment that is coming. And, and we as a human race entirely have gone our own way. We have rebelled against the God of all creation. We have made up our own gods. We are chasing after our own things. And Jesus, when he came, wanted to let us know that we need to be aware of what is to come. And so he's going to say what he says to us out of this burdened heart and, and this mankind's inability to get it, who, who are trapped, we as people who are trapped in our own clever devices. Like we think we're so smart and, and we're, we're blinded in a lot of ways by our fancy gizmos and our crazy gadgets. And we're all, you know, distracted. We're into our own little worlds. And so what I want to do in our passage, it's in, uh, it's in Matthew chapter 11, is I want to read the second half of the passage. Because the second half of the passage what it does for us is it, it, it creates the context for what Jesus says to us that I want to get to. So we're in um, Matthew chapter 11, and we're going to read verse 25, uh, verses 25 to 30. Okay, so follow me uh, with me as, as we read this. I'll, I'll put it up here on the board for you. And uh, we're going to read this. And just remember, this is the second half. This is the context of what, he, what he's going to say prior to this, and that's what I really want to get to. But this kind of helps us set the stage. Look what he says. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, those who think they're so smart. Those who have no need for God, they're blinded to the truth of the gospel because of their own selfish pride. That's what he's saying. Because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children, simple-minded people who just accept God for who he is and what he's done for us, right? Verse 26, yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal them. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here's the thing. Jesus is, is, is looking at my, mankind, and, and, and in a general way, he's saying, we have gone our own way. We have gone astray. And, and we, have, we, have, we have taken the reins 
into our own hands and we think we can be in control of, of what's going on on the planet. We think we can call the shots and we can control, you know, all the things that are happening in nature and, and, and with the climate and with the universe and with the moon and the sun. We think we're so stinking smart. And Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying, the Son of God has come to the earth and, and, and we're just too busy to even know that, to even see him and to know him. And we will never know him or the Father unless we stop and take a good look at who Jesus is. And he says, come to me. You know, he simply says, look, if you'll just come to Jesus, you will find peace and you will find purpose in your life. And that's a beautiful thing. That's what we all need. So when the Father sent his Son into the world, what, what came basically was the left foot of the love of God. That's what came down. The love of God. The grace of God. The mercy of God. Jesus came to bring salvation. Jesus came to bring peace between us and the Father, to, de to destroy the wall that separated us from God. Jesus came to bring hope. He came to bring salvation to all of man. Every tribe, every race, every tongue, doesn't matter. Anyone can accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life if we would just turn to him. When Jesus came, the left foot of love landed on the planet. And, and the left foot of love of God is easy to embrace. It's easy. Because it's full of love and full of acceptance and full of forgiveness and full of all the things that we love to talk about. All the positive things that are there. But the day, the day is soon coming when the Father's right foot will drop. The left foot is dropped. The right foot is going to drop. And today, Jesus is going to remind us of this very truth, that there is a right foot of God that is going to drop on the planet one day soon in the future. And what we need to do is a couple things. We need to brace ourselves Today, for this message, we need to brace ourselves, and we need to brace ourselves in the world as we live in this world. One eye open, one eye waiting, one eye watching. We need to examine our hearts as well as it relates to what is going to come. We need to examine our mind and our heart and our motives and make sure that we are right with God. Not just going through the motions, not just playing church, not just saying we're Christians, but we're doing all kinds of things that are not in line with, with a holy God. You know, that we are truly living what Jesus called us to live on this earth as a child of God's. And we need to then repent. We need to prepare ourselves to repent and turn to God on a daily basis and to keep coming back to him and keep asking him, God, forgive me. Have mercy on me, Father. And have mercy on our land. Have mercy on mankind, God. Draw us to you. Use me to draw people to you, God, before it's too late. And so we're in Matthew chapter 11. Here's the thing. The left foot of grace has come. 
and the right foot of judgment day is about to come. And the key is for us as a people to repent. First, individually, we turn to God and we come back to him and ask for his mercy and grace. And secondly, as a nation and as, a, as mankind, we need to turn and repent. So in, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is going to, just prior to the other verses that I just read, that sets the context and the stage, Jesus says these things. And there's just five verses that he shares. And look what he says. Uh, the parallel verse, if you, if you got, some of you got your harmony of the Gospels in the mail, those of you who said, hey, send me one, I, I sent you one. I still have a couple more. If you want one of these, these are, these are awesome books. This is a great way to look at the Gospels as it lines up the, the four Gospels. They don't all talk about some of the same stories, but, but, but they're all in here. Whether one of them talked about it, two of them, three of them, or all four of them. So, so this is a great way to look at them side by side so you can get a, the biggest picture of what happened in that passage by looking at all four Gospels. So some of you got yours. Congratulations. Good job. If, if two more of you want one, I've got two more copies that I would be glad to send to you. All you got to do is send me a text and say, hey, Napo, I would love to have a harmony of the gospel. And I'll, I'll send you one. I'll send you one. Free. It's all I mean. Okay. I want you to have it because it's, it's a great source to have in digging into the word of God. It's, it's basically, it's a scripture. It's the Bible. It's not a commentary. It's not somebody's opinion. This is actually the scripture. It's the, it's a Bible of the four gospels all, all together. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, it's gorgeous. Here we go. Matthew 11. Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Stop right there. Denounce. Jesus began. Look at that. Jesus began. In other words, probably up till now, he was not denouncing. He was not talking about judgment. He was talking about the fact that he came and that he came to bring mercy and grace to the world. But now, now at this point, maybe in his sermon or at this point in his ministry, he's going to begin to warn us. He's going to denounce. That word denounce means to upbraid or to, to criticize severely, to rebuke, right? To rebuke. He begins to denounce certain towns and cities, okay? Denounce means the exact opposite of blessed. So if you're blessed, you are filled with joy, you are, you are a happy camper, and you are moving in a good direction because God has blessed you. If you are being denounced, you are moving in the exact opposite direction. You are moving toward the pit of hell. And that is not where you want to be moving. And so Jesus, in our passage of warning to the unrepentant cities, remember, that's what this is about. Jesus begins to denounce them. Remember, Jesus uses this kind of denouncement with the Pharisees over and over again. He calls them, he says, woe to you hypocrites. Woe to you blind guides. That's what Jesus refers to the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day because they are leading people astray. And he talks about the towns. He begins to denounce the towns 
in which most of his miracles were performed. These are the cities in and around Galilee. These are the ones that watched Jesus do all kinds of miracles and healings and, and crazy things around this Sea of Galilee where, where his main ministry in his main town of Capernaum at the top of Galilee, that's where Jesus set up his base camp for ministry. And all those towns around him saw him like no one else saw him. They watched Jesus do things that no one else got to see. They heard Jesus say things that no one else got to hear. I mean, they had Jesus, the Son of God, living in their, in their community. These people saw amazing and great things. And then he says, the reason he's denouncing the towns that got to see firsthand the miracles of Jesus, he said he's denouncing them because they did not repent. They did not turn away from their sin. They got to see the Son of God in action and they refused to believe. They proudly rejected the Savior. What in the world? I mean, if God did miracles all around you, and you got to watch him do them. I mean, these people were blessed for that. But they didn't even let it face them. They continued just living their lives, doing their thing. It's like hearing a, a, an amazing sermon or being a part of an amazing worship service and, and feeling the power of God just like working on your heart and the love of God and maybe even the conviction of God and you feel challenged by God and you walk out the back doors of that worship time and you just keep doing what you've been doing. You, you're just never changed by it. We do this all the time. We are so numb to the truth of God and we are so saturated by our gadgets and our technology that we're consumed by these things. And we, we are just as guilty as these people. And Jesus begins to denounce them. In verse 21, it says, woe to you. Stop right there, woe to you. Woe, whoa, 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 whoa. Woe to you. This is a big phrase. We see it in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, used many, many times. Woe unto you. This is not a good phrase. If Jesus looks at you and says, woe unto you, you are in deep trouble. Deep trouble. Because he sees you and you have been exposed. Maybe as a liar, maybe as a criminal, maybe as a thief. In your rebellion, Jesus says, woe to you. Now this phrase is used a lot. Ezekiel uses it six times in his letter. Matthew uses it 12 times, Luke 13 times, Hosea uses it, Zephaniah uses it, Habakkuk uses it. Most of the prophets use this phrase, woe to you. Say that with me, woe to you. That is not a good phrase to be said to. You don't want, you don't want to hear those words. Those are not good words. Woe unto you. 23 times, or in Matthew 23, Jesus shares with us the seven woes. Great passage of scripture. Read Matthew chapter 23. Jesus' seven woes to the religious leaders of the day. Here he says, Woe to you, Chorazin 
Woe to you, Bethsaida. Now these are two towns right around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was doing most of his miracles. These are Jesus' stomping grounds. You know, we all have stomping grounds. When you think about where you grew up as a kid, where you kind of went out and did stuff in the town, in the community, maybe played ball, played at the park. You know, your place of hanging. I have one of those places. Clarence, New York. That's my stomping ground. If anybody says, hey, where were your stomping ground? Clarence. Grew up there from fourth grade all the way through high school, and that were my stop. Well, Jesus had his stomping grounds where he hung out the most, where he lived the most, where he impacted the most. And that was Galilee, that whole area. Well, these are two towns, Chorazin and Bethsaida, from that area, who saw the miracles of Jesus day in and day out. They watched Jesus do incredible things. And then he says, for if, for if the miracles that were performed in you, Galilee towns, had been performed in Tyre and Sidon. Now these are two other cities, uh, ancient cities. They were heathen cities, that is evil cities of great luxury and great wealth and great godlessness. These are two cities that were judged and are doomed he says, if the miracles performed around you, Galilee, were performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. That's incredible. If they would have saw Horizon and Bethsaida and you cities of Galilee, if Tyre and Sidon would have saw what you saw, you Galilean cities and towns, they would have turned to God. They would have come to him in humility and deep, deep regret, sackcloth and ashes. Woe, woe to you. Woe is not an announcement like, hear he, hear he. I've got some, something to proclaim. That's not what woe is. Woe is a declaration of divine judgment that is to come and the impending doom that is about to befall the human race sometime soon. That's what woe to you is. And then he says, furthermore, you, Capernaum, my, not only my stomping grounds, but Jesus is like, this is where I set up my base camp. More miracles were performed in and around this area than probably anywhere else in, in the Middle East, in the whole holy ground area, Jerusalem, Bethsaida, all those towns, Judea and Perea, all those areas, regions, Samaria. More was done around Capernaum and Galilee than anywhere else. And Jesus says, woe to you, Capernaum, Will you be lifted to the heavens? Not a chance. You don't have a chance, a snowball's chance, and you know where. You will go down, look what he says, you will go down to Hades. This is hell. This is hell. This is the place of unbearable punishment and judgment. And he says, for if 
The miracles that were performed in you, Capernaum, had been performed in Sodom. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah. If those miracles were performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? This is a wicked city of sin and sexual rebellion. This is where men were sleeping with men and women were sleeping with women and, and crossed all kinds of stuff. And God says, no, that is not the design that I have made for mankind. One man, one woman, together in marriage. And Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked city. And Jesus says, if the miracles that were performed in Capernaum had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. You see that? It would still be on the earth. But remember what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah? Destroyed by fire and brimstone. Totally, utterly destroyed because of its sin and rebellion. And he says, if the miracles that I did around Galilee would have been done there, they would have turned, they would have repented, they would have changed. And they would not have been destroyed. And then he says in verse 24, but I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom, that wicked city Sodom, who was destroyed by fire, on the day of judgment than for you, Capernaum, because you had Jesus. You had the Son of God living among you in your community, performing miracles from God. And you did not change. You just kept doing your religious stuff. You just kept going through the motions of your life. All the stuff that was important to you before Jesus arrived were still just as important to you even then. And nothing changed in your heart. Nothing changed in your behavior. You did not repent. And so it will be more bearable for Sodom. It's not going to be bearable for either of them, but there is a more bearable and a less bearable. Both are going to do be doomed. But one had more opportunity than the other. Capernaum had much more opportunity than Sodom. And the destruction and the punishment that is to come will be unbearably great. Wow, 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 wow. Woe, woe, woe to you. Woe to you, he says, unrepentant cities. You cities, you nations who do not turn back to the one who made you, those of you who do not turn back to God, and I would include cities and souls, because that's what we're talking about, are the souls of men. Every human being that does not turn back to God, be warned, warned, and be warned. Because the day is coming when the right foot of God is going to drop. And it's on its way as we look at what's going on in our world. So let's, let's, let's talk about a few takeaways. A few takeaways here. Four takeaways and we're done, okay? Four takeaways. The first one is this. The severity of punishment. There is a punishment that is going to come that is so severe that it is going to be unbearable. There is this severity that will come to those who have heard 
and seen Jesus at work and refused to repent. A severity toward those who have had the opportunity to see, the opportunity to hear. In other words, they have tasted and they have walked away from Jesus. They basically said, no, we're going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. We're going to do it our way. And the message for you and me today is to begin to warn your people. Begin to warn your people now. The day is going to come. Secondly, secondly, blessed with much. To those who have been blessed with much, much is required. This is a kingdom of God principle for all of mankind. When God reaches down and blesses you, you are required to bless others with whatever it is he's blessed you with. Gifts, talents, resources, whatever it may be. You are, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, to, to give it all up to serve the world, to help other people find Christ before it's too late. So if you have much, much is going to be required from you. Don't don't lose sight of that. Don't get stuck in your stuff where you're going to go build bigger barns to, to house it all. And then Jesus said, you fool. Today, your life is going to be required for you. Those who have much, much will be required. Number three, never, never forget. Never forget. Enjoy the grace of God. The left foot of God, we enjoy, we love, and we embrace it. But never forget, the right foot of judgment is going to come. It is going to come. At some point, that foot is going to come down, and time as we know it will be no more. What kind of church would we be if we didn't warn the people of the danger that is to come? What kind of Preacher, would I be if I didn't warn you of the things that Jesus warned us about? What kind of person will we be, will you be or me, if we don't go out and tell our friends and our family of what's to come? That there is a judgment coming. There is a cliff that we are all headed toward. And we're all going to go off it. And the only hope of salvation is that Jesus is Lord of your life. And that you're following him with everything in you. What kind of people would we be if we didn't warn others of the judgment that is to come? And number four, speak up for God. Speak up. You know, everyone in the world wants their voice heard. All the left liberals are out there screaming and shouting their agenda. They want to defund everybody. They want to cancel the culture and all of our history. They want to scream at, at everyone around them how they've been done wrong. And they want to control their agenda and they want to turn our country, just our country, into something that it should never become. And they are not afraid to shout it from the streets and make posters and make signs and shove it in your face. God's people... It is time for us to speak up, 
to speak up for God to our nation and call her to repent, to repent from what is to come before it's too late. Not out of hate, not out of division, but out of compassion and out of love that there is a danger coming and we are striving to warn people of what God has said is going to come. We need to speak up. We need to speak the truth and we need to use not just our voices, but our social medias and everything we have in love to share the truth of what is to come. We must. We need to. We better. Woe to you. Woe to you. It's a call to all peoples to repent and turn to the Lord, to give him your entire life, to be washed in the watery grave of baptism, and to be forgiven of your sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a call then to go, to go into all the world. The time is short. Jesus is going to come back a second time, and it's going to be over. Woe unto you. Woe unto you. In the midst of, in the, midst of the doom that is going to come, there is this great glimmer of hope. There is this great glimmer of light. Jesus Christ, our only hope, our only salvation has come to all mankind. We must accept him as Savior and follow him as Lord and let him be the authority in our life. Let him be Lord and Savior of your life. It's time for us as people, as individual souls, and it's time for us as a nation, and it's time for us as a civilization to turn and give our lives back to the one who made us. May God bless you. May God work in your life and draw you close to him, and may God use you to reach your friends and your neighbors Get your eyes off of yourself and get them on God and open your eyes to the world around you that is moving toward the edge of this cliff and this, 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 this fast coming doom. And let us be about the work of the kingdom of God. God bless. Father, work in our hearts. Draw us to you and use us, God, for your glory. Help us to rescue those that are perishing. We love you and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have a good week.